as God intended. Let's go. healers to looking for healing radio where pharmaceuticals are not medicine but love always is i'm your host dr brian artis and thank you so much for listening remember to tell all your freedom friends they can join us live on the america out loud talk radio network and via recorded podcast at americaoutloud.com on the iheart radio spotify and pandora networks just download the america out loud phone app for apple android or alexa whatever you need to listen to your leisure looking for healing radio today is being brought to you by Globalhealing.com, simply the finest, most potent, most effective natural medicines in the world today. Feel the difference, integrity, and love for medicine making can make for you. Go to Globalhealing.com and enter promo code out loud to discover the medicine God intended for us all. Get incredible deals and find Global Healing and all the wonderful AOL sponsors at AmericaOutloud.shop. And for this episode, Bioactive Copper. Everybody should probably be on that, I believe, for the rest of their life. One milligram, which is one capsule of Global Healings Bioactive Copper. Go there and use the promo code out loud. Start shopping there today and get it. All right, we got a great show for today. This entire week is going to be an outline for the healing, the looking for healing radio hosts. We are doing a vaccine week. We're going to educate you on vaccines that are given to children and adults throughout the United States and around the world. Because my show's on Monday, I chose to start with the one they tell all mothers and fathers and doctors and nurses and babies in America that there is one shot and one shot only that all of them should get in the first 24 hours of life. Actually, they recommend within 12 hours of being born, and it is called the hepatitis B virus vaccine. All right, so hep B vaccine is what uh, the CDC The NIH, the World Health Organization, you name it. Everybody in America will tell you in the medical field, every kid in America needs to be injected within 12 hours of being born for the hepatitis B virus vaccine, which is a total load of crap. So what I'm going to do here over this radio show is I'm going to actually tell you why it is my five children, Bryce, Braden, Savannah, Sierra, and Blaze, 22 years old to 11 years old, four adults why none of my kids received the hepatitis B vaccine in any of their lifetimes thus far. And the only way it would happen is if Nazis killed me, any of the parents of these kids, any loved ones of these kids, isolated them, strapped them down, beat them, put them into a coma, and then injected them with the hepatitis B vaccine. I have told them this is the only way they will ever receive that vaccine. So, uh, it, that's not a realistic thing that's going to happen. So it ain't happening. So for the last 22 years, I've actually by myself made sure I went to the United States health departments in my counties. I registered with the state government departments. I printed out forms, got forms notarized that gave exemptions to each of my children to never have to get the hepatitis B vaccine ever. So I've done that for 22 years, every single year of my life. And then when my kids went off to college, I did the same thing by myself, went online, downloaded state government website exemption forms, got them notarized, sent them to the schools. And every single school has always said, I didn't even know this existed. Yeah, I know. Well, now you'll get used to it every year that an artist is in your facility. So that is what has happened for the last 22 years. Uh, Now, for many of you post-COVID era, you are awake to the fraud that is the vaccine agenda, but maybe not all fraud. So it's time to wake you up. So here we go. Anybody you love, know 
Make sure you never give your kids the hepatitis B vaccine, particularly all those in the world that are listening to Looking for Healing Radio. If you believe God exists and God's all-knowing and all-powerful and omniscient, and you believe that on some period of time, he created his greatest creation, which is the human body, and you truly profess to believe that, why in the world would you take God's greatest creation, a brand new baby, and within 12 hours of life, believe any man who's figured out through science, supposedly, that they have figured out a way to make God's creation better. So let's inject him. I can't even think outside of rape, molestation, and organ harvesting a more evil, nefarious, damn decision than to inject a 12-hour-old human for the first time ever taking his breath within the first 24-hour period, injecting them with toxic crap. So I'm going to take you through what are my concerns about the hepatitis B vaccine, why I don't do it, but I'm going to start with the story. So second child is born. His name is Braden. This is in 2003 in Dallas, Texas. So he's born. He's being, he's born in a hospital. Um, first, the nurse walks right up to me and says, right after he's born and cleaned up, this little cute African-American nurse comes up and walks up to me and says, uh, Mr. Artis, I need you to sign this form. And I said, well, what is that form? Now, just so you all know, everybody listening to Looking for Healing Radio, only you make decisions about your health and your children's health. No one else does. And you don't let anybody else do that either. If it's me, any of the four hosts of the Looking for Healing Radio show, if any of y'all think that anybody's responsibility to make decisions for your health relies on anybody else, that's ridiculous. Only you are responsible for your health. Only you are responsible for the decisions on your health. Only you decides what to put inside your mouth. Only you decides what to put on your skin. Only you decides if you're crazy enough to inject something inside of you. And only you are responsible for those same decisions for children up to 18 years old. Only you. Not a doctor. Not Dr. Artis. Not Dr. Ely. Not Dr. Schmidt. Not Nicola, Nicola Burnett. Not Jana Schmidt. Not Patch Adams. Not uh, anybody. No Nobel Prize winner. It doesn't matter who it is. If it's a human, only you for yourself are responsible for the decisions in your health. Only you gets to make the final decisions on everything you choose to put in your body. So here we go. African-American nurse walks up to me and says, Mr. Artis, I need you to sign this form for your son, Brayden, who was just born five minutes earlier. I need you to sign this form. And I said, what's this form? They said, oh, it's a form that allows us to vaccinate your child. And I said, no, I need you to give me a form that says, I don't allow you to vaccinate my kid. Now, this is in 2003. And this lady in Dallas, Texas looks at me and says, you're not going to vaccinate your children or your child. And I said, no, I'm not vaccinating my child. Thank you. And she looked at me real oddly as if I was some foreign alien all of a sudden. And I said, no, I'm not letting you vaccinate my kid. I said, so I need you to find the exemption form. She goes, I've never seen one of those forms. And I said, well, do you see that metal clipboard box clipboard you're holding in your hand with like 20 forms on it, 50 forms on it. I don't know. There's a whole stack of them there. You're holding in my face. I said, I bet you in that stack, probably towards the back, is an exemption form for parents to sign that tells you you're not allowed to vaccinate my kids. So she walks away from me. I said, or go ask your man, go ask your manager or boss or someone else in a superior position above you who's been here longer for the exemption form for vaccines. 
So she walks out of the room or starts to, gets to the door and realizes as she's flipping through the stack of forms that, oh my gosh, there really is an exemption form for parents. So she brings it to me and says, oh my gosh, you were right. There's an exemption form right here. And I said, great, thank you. And I signed it. She goes to turn around and walks out to the door. When she gets to the door, she quickly turns around and marches right back to me and goes, Mr. Artist, there's actually another form right behind this first form I found in the stack. And it's an exemption form for the hepatitis B virus vaccine. And I said, oh, thank you for figuring that out. I said, but uh, you're not vaccinating my kid with that either. So that's actually the form I thought you were handing me a minute ago. For sure, I'm signing that one. And she pulled it away from me and said, you're not going to give this to your kid? And I said, no, there's no way on earth I would ever give my kid that shot. And she's holding it away from me. And she goes, Mr. Artis, do you know that the hepatitis B virus can live on a doorknob for up to 24 hours? And I looked at her and I said, as soon as she said it, I said, uh, hey, how long have you worked here? And she goes, seven years. And I said, you've been working in this labor and delivery unit of this hospital for seven years. And she said, yes. And I said, great. I want you to close your eyes for me. She says, what? I said, I want you to close your eyes for me. You're asking me to sign a form. I'm asking you to close your eyes first. She closes her eyes. And I said, good. Now I need you to review in your mind's eye all seven years of working here. And I said, and I need you to be real careful. Don't answer immediately. I need you to think about this for a while. I need you to tell me. How many times you working here for seven years, how many times I need you to add them up. How many times have you seen a newborn open a door in this hospital? And she started dying laughing to herself in embarrassment, actually. And I said, hold up. What's the number? And she says, none. And I said, you've never seen a baby reach up for a doorknob, a newborn and open the door in this hospital. And she said, no, I haven't. And I said, have you ever seen that happen in real life? She said, no. And I said, then why did you just say that to me? <laughs> and she said, I don't know. And I said, yes, you do. Don't quickly answer. Just think about it. Where would you have ever gotten that information to repeat to me? And she goes, I really don't know, Mr. Artist. And I said, yes, you do. I said, however, I have a question before we figure out where you got that question from. I said, I want to ask you something. Do you know, young lady, nurse standing in front of me in a hospital in 2003 telling me to vaccinate my kid for hepatitis B? I said, excuse me, nurse. I said, I have one other, I have a few questions for you. I said, can you tell me where it is we get the hepatitis B virus from if it's not a doorknob? And she said, yes. And I said, where? And she goes, we get it from sex with multiple partners, typically, and intravenous drug needle sharing. And I said, very good. I said, so I have another question for you. She goes, what's that? And I said, close your eyes. And at this point, she knows what I'm about to do and she doesn't want to do it. And I said, just close your eyes. Remember, you're the one that thinks this form is so important for me to not sign. So I need you to close your eyes. If you're so convinced hepatitis B virus vaccine needs to be given to my kid. I said, I need you to close your eyes and I need you to tell me. In the last seven years that you've worked in this hospital, walking up and down the hallways, walking through the nursery or by the nursery where all the babies are, looking through the window, I need you to tell me how many babies in the last seven years have you seen? How many newborn babies in this hospital have you seen late at night or in the early mornings hopping from one incubator to another, having sex with each other? 
multiple sex partners with these newborns. And how many of them have you seen sharing needles with each other in the middle of the night while nurses aren't watching? How many times have you seen babies sharing needles with each other in this hospital or having sex with each other? Multiple partners. How many times have you seen an orgy going on in the nursery? This is exactly what I said. And she didn't laugh this time. She said, Mr. Artis, I've never seen it, obviously. And I said, good. All right. So next question. So you've never seen them open a doorknob. You've never seen them having sex. And you've never seen them share drugs, needles in the hospital. I said, so if that's not the reason for vaccinating my kid right now, it's because of a reason, an excuse of how you get hepatitis B, which isn't happening in this hospital. And you've never seen it. It's not even possible for newborns to have sex with each other. If it's not possible that he's getting hepatitis B in the first 12 hours of life and first 24 hours of life, I asked her this next question, which was, all right, so if hepatitis B is contracted through sex with multiple partners and drugs only, I looked at her and I said, do you know what the half-life is of the hepatitis B vaccine anyway? I said, how long does the hepatitis B vaccine last providing immunity against the hepatitis B virus? And she looked at me and goes, I don't know. And I said, you don't know? You don't have a clue? She goes, no. I said, it's 12 years. The half-life is six years. That means the half period at which it provides immunity is six years. That means you double it, it's 12. So I looked at her and I said, I need you to do me another favor now. If you know the vaccine only works for 12 years, I said, I want you to close your eyes for me. And I want you to think about your entire life, not this hospital. And I want you to tell me how many 12-year-olds have you ever known in your entire life who have had sex with multiple partners by the age of 12 and were doing intravenous drug needle sharing. Now, beyond my knowledge of her life, I didn't know anything. I said, maybe, just maybe, you know some. I don't know any, but maybe you do. And I've lived in a whole bunch of states in this country. I have met thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of parents and families and children. I don't know any 12-year-olds or younger who had multiple sex partners and did drugs, sharing drugs they were injecting into each other and themselves. I've never seen it. You might. How many can you think of in your whole life? And she said, Mr. Aris, I can't think of one. And I said, then what the hell is the emergency? Why do I need to vaccinate my kid with a vaccine that only gives 12 years of immunity for something 12-year-olds and youngers don't do, which is have sex with multiple partners and share drug needles? <laughs> she goes, I don't know. And I said, all right, so my next question was for you before I sign this form is, you said to me, don't you know, Dr. Artis, that the hepatitis B vaccine or virus can live on a doorknob for up to 24 hours? I said, why did you say that to me? That's not even how you get hepatitis. So why would you say it to me? She goes, I don't know. Remember, audience, this was in 2003. This is how moronic people even in the medical profession are. And when I say moronic, I mean ignorant. Ignorant meaning they're not educated whatsoever in reality or truth or immunity whatsoever. They've all been fed a false narrative, a false ideology that immunity only comes from vaccines. That isn't true. If that was true and common sense is applied, how in the world did human beings survive for millennia without vaccines? How? How did we survive without vaccines? Vaccines have only been around for a couple of hundred years. So, Viruses aren't new. Viruses have been around forever, supposedly. So if, if viruses aren't new, how did the world survive without vaccines? The truth is you don't know that 
how they did it, but you do know they did it without vaccine. So let the vaccine agenda go. All right. So this lady tells me she doesn't know where she got that information to tell me that the virus lives on a doorknob for 24 hours. And I said, I know where you got it. You got it from your manager who trained you in this position seven years ago. So they would have told you that if anybody ever says, I'm not vaccinating my kids and you're not allowed to vaccinate them, tell them this. It'll scare them enough and they will do it. Tell them that the virus lives on the doorknob for 24 hours. And most of the parents who are ignorant of immunity, medical common sense or logic, they're going to buy it. They're going to buy the dumbassery and they're going to go, oh, no, if I touch a doorknob, I might touch my baby and give him hepatitis. Oh, my God. That's not how it works. In fact, on the other side of this break, I'm going to teach you how it works because even the Hepatitis B Foundation says you can't get hepatitis B by touching a doorknob. Isn't that funny? I just found that before I just did this show. So I'm going to teach you about a whole bunch of other stuff about hepatitis B, what's in the hepatitis B vaccine. Because if you are an individual who aren't going to vaccinate your kids in the future for hepatitis B, you might have some ammo and might want some ammo of what you're going to say to your loved ones when they try to make you feel bad for not vaccinating them against something that they don't need. All right. Remember, you can follow along Looking for Healing Radio every Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 8 a.m. Pacific Time. You can hear Dr. Artist, Dr. Henry Ely, Dr. Janice Schmidt, and Nicola Burnett. Monday through Friday on America Out Loud. We'll be right back after these messages. Spike proteins help viruses enter into your cells, disrupting your health and your well-being. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body of spike proteins, which allows your body to repair from within, supporting your immune and respiratory systems and regulating your inflammatory response. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix Rx. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. All right, healers, welcome back to Looking for Healing Radio. This is sponsored by the Energetic Health Institute. An amazing school for amazing students just like you. The best way to be free is to be healthy. Learn how at www.energetichealthinstitute.org. Holistic nutrition, fasting, detoxification, art of cellular healing, and so much more. Join Dr. Henry Ely and the EHI family at Let's Make Tomorrow Amazing. Go to www.energetichealthinstitute.org to learn more. Let's continue with our hepatitis B vaccine and hepatitis B discussion, shall we? Remember, this is a vaccine education week. 
on Looking for Healing Radio. <laughs> now, also remember, write in your questions, submit them to America Out Loud, America Out Loud Radio at Looking for Healing Radio. You can submit a question, and we're going to answer them all by Friday of this week. It's going to be exciting. So excited. Keep sending them in. All right. So I'm going to start with the CDC. We're going to go to the CDC.gov and we're going to learn from the CDC what they state about hepatitis B transmission. All right. So, all right. On the CDC's website, CDC.gov, it states underneath perinatal transmission. I'm on their website. Hepatitis B virus infection in a pregnant woman poses a serious risk to her infant at birth. Without post-exposure immunoprophylaxis, a vaccine, approximately 40% of infants born to hepatitis B virus-infected mothers in the U.S. will develop chronic hepatitis B virus infection, approximately one-fourth of whom will eventually die from chronic liver disease. Now, if you listen to that, you think, oh, man, this is a really big deal. We should vaccinate everybody on the planet. Everybody born to a mama in the, in America because hepatitis B affects 40% of all infants born to HBV, hepatitis B virus positive females. You know, what's interesting about this. This is one of the great lies in literature, particularly medical literature. When you read these statements, you're like, oh my God, this is a big deal. What if I told you that only five women in America had hepatitis B virus? But their statement here says 40% of infants born to HBV-infected mothers in the U.S. will develop chronic HBV infection. And approximately one-fourth of those, 40% of whom will eventually die from chronic liver disease. Eventually. All right, so let's break down this scary paragraph. 40% of HBV-infected women will have babies that get HBV. Uh, ding, ding, reality check. Not all women who are pregnant in America have hepatitis B virus at all. So then the question becomes, why are we injecting all infants in America with the hepatitis B virus vaccine when we have no clue if the mom has hepatitis B or not? Why don't you screen them first? for hepatitis B, the mom, before you ever decide you have to vaccinate 100% of all the babies born in that country because 40% of those with hepatitis B virus vaccine might pass it to their babies. Okay, so now we're going to make 100% of all women get this shot for their babies? That's so dumb. It's the dumbest thing ever. All right, so if I told you five people in America had hepatitis B virus vaccine and they were pregnant, and 40% of them, of the infants, were going to get it, that means three, sorry, Two of the five babies born to these five women in America are going to develop possibly hepatitis B, uh, chronic liver inflammation and infection. But it states that only one-fourth of those two babies will die in the future, possibly to chronic liver disease. And they don't tell you how long the person's going to live. Eventually will die from chronic liver disease. Well, just so y'all know, the majority of Americans drink beer and wine every day and they are dying of liver disease. Like 90% of all of them. And it is not caused, the chronic liver inflammation and death is not caused by the hepatitis B virus vaccine for the majority of Americans. It's caused by you're eating crap and drinking crap. And you're fat and overweight and diabetic and you don't care. 
and you're taking drugs and vaccines every day. But that's not what they tell you. All right, so they tell you it's important that every mother be screened. Well, that would be great if they started doing that. Just screen them. And if you have been screened and you don't have hepatitis B, period, you cannot give it to your baby. You can't give your baby something you don't have. So if somebody's telling you and trying to tell you, your OBGYN is telling you or your loved one or your kids or your daughters or your son that you have to give your kid a hepatitis B vaccine when it's born, that you're expecting to be born, this baby, you all you have to say is this. You make you test my mom, my wife. You test my pregnant daughter and you tell me she has hepatitis B first. And if you can't tell me that there's antibodies in that woman against the virus, you ain't touching my baby with a vaccine. That's the bare minimum. <laughs> that should be done. At most, you tell them no to all vaccines. Uh, at minimum, it is you don't inject any babies with that damn shot. And if you do, it's only because it is confirmed by blood tests that the woman has hepatitis B virus in them. All right, now we're going to go to the hepatitis B foundation, actually. Let's go to hepatitis B foundation. For all of y'all wondering, it's called hep b.org all right now on there there's a there's a uh, titled document transmission of hepatitis b so i'm going to run through this with you transmission of hepatitis b the hepatitis b virus is transmitted through blood and sexual fluids this can most commonly occur in the following ways one direct contact with infected blood number two they say it can go from an infected pregnant person to their newborn during pregnancy and childbirth. Next one, needles and other medical dental equipment or procedures that are contaminated or not sterile. Huh. Wow. Okay. So how many of you have been to a dentist and got anesthetics or numbing gel or numbing injections? How many of you knew that they have found hepatitis B can come from that? Oh, I didn't know. Crazy. All right. The next one. Transmission of hepatitis B can come from unprotected sex. The next one, use of illegal or street drugs, and they show a syringe. All right, so here we go. Let's keep reading. Hepatitis B Foundation, hepb.org. Body piercing, tattooing, acupuncture, and even nail salons are other potential routes of infection unless sterile needles and equipment are used. In addition, sharing sharp instruments such as razors, toothbrushes, nail clippers, earrings, and body jewelry can be a source of infection. Not that you can get infected from those. They're just sources of the virus. All right. Let's check out their next statement. I highlighted it in bold on the screen because I was excited to read it to all of you. Hepatitis B is not transmitted casually. It cannot be spread through toilet seats. It cannot be spread by doorknobs. It cannot be spread by sneezing. It cannot be spread through coughing. It cannot be spread through hugging. This is what the Hepatitis B Foundation says. Hepatitis B cannot be it cannot be transmitted eat, sharing eating meals with someone who is infected with Hepatitis B. Isn't that great to know? I wish that nurse in 2003 knew this before they said something dumb to the educated father standing there. All right, so... This is what's interesting to me. Most of your medical doctors and medical staff are really dumb. You want to know why? They're dumb to truth, actually. And they're dumb because of their training. Their training, unfortunately, that they paid a whole lot of money for, and they did a great job of passing their test. They were indoctrinated with false doctrines. Therefore, 
they remain ignorant in truth, unfortunately, and they only believe what it is they're being told. That's because they're being indoctrinated by really sophisticated cult experts called the WHO, the World Health Organization, pharmaceutical giants, Carnegie, Rockefeller, Rothschilds, the American Medical Association. They're all psychopathic cults. And unfortunately, the white coats, staff members, doctors, nurses, you name it, pharmacists, the majority of them, unfortunately, are led blindly by their cult leaders. Okay, here we go. Now they list it, hepatizeb.org, hepb.org. This is the high-risk groups. Hepatitis B virus can affect can infect, they state, infants, children, teens, and adults. It's not a genetic disease. It's an infectious disease that is transmitted through blood. Although everyone may be at risk for hepatitis B virus infection during their lifetime, there are groups of people who are at higher risk because of where they were born, their occupation, or life choices. The following is a guide for screening high-risk groups for hepatitis B, but the list certainly doesn't represent all potential risk factors. All right. So when considering whether or not you should vaccinate somebody for hepatitis B, here's the 15 list by the hepatitis B vaccine, sorry, hepatitis B foundation. This is the 15 risk groups. If you ain't on this list, you ain't at risk. Here we go. Number one, healthcare providers and emergency responders are high risk groups. Why? They're messing with blood and needles. And from what I see with TV shows like ER and The Good Doctor, there's lots of sex going on in hospitals by these staff members. Uh, All right. Sexually, number two, sexually active individuals, more than one partner in the past six months is a risk factor for hep B. Three, men who have sex with men. Four, individuals diagnosed with a sexually transmitted disease. Number five, illicit drug users, rejecting, or sorry, injecting, inhaling, snorting, pill popping. Number six, sexual partners are those living in close household contact with an infected person. Seven, individuals born in countries where hepatitis B is common. Now, this is cool. Do you know where hepatitis B is common? So says the Hepatitis B Foundation. All right, they're telling you what high-risk groups should consider being vaccinated. You know what's interesting? They tell you that the high-risk groups are those individuals that are born in countries where hepatitis B is common. Did you know hepatitis B is not common in the United States? Isn't that weird? They don't even list it as one of the countries where hepatitis B exists as a high risk factor. So why are we vaccinating every American baby born if hepatitis B is not a risk factor considered a high risk group for this country? Uh, Because they're dumb. The medical profession is dumb. Telling you you got to do this because they're not learned. They haven't learned this stuff yet. So we're going to educate them. All right. So what are the countries where the highest risk for hepatitis B is? It's not America. It's Asia. Africa, South America, the Pacific Islands, Eastern Europe, and the Middle East. Not America. All right. Number eight, individuals born to parents who have immigrated from countries where hepatitis B is common. Nine, children adopted from countries where hepatitis B is common. That's not America, by the way. Ten, adoptive families of children from countries where hepatitis B is common. Eleven, anyone diagnosed with cancer. Prior to initiation of anti-cancer treatment. Isn't that weird? Why would anyone diagnosed with cancer be a high-risk group for hepatitis B? They're stating it's anyone diagnosed with cancer prior to initiation of anti-cancer treatment. Huh, interesting. Number 12, 
kidney dialysis patients and those in early kidney failure are highly susceptible to hepatitis B. Do you want to know why? They just told you up above that there are certain injections, shots, drugs that can actually carry hepatitis B. So kidney dialysis patients, you're having, you're being poked with needles and drugs every day. How do you know they're not putting hep B in those things? You don't. All right. And then inmates and staff of a correctional facility. Huh. Okay. Well, are you in one of those? No. 14, residents and staff of facilities for developmentally disabled persons. Okay. And then 15, I find this interesting. They write all pregnant women. All pregnant women, not just in those countries they listed as high risk groups, all pregnant women. Okay. Now I have to ask you guys, if, if they have a test, which they do for the antigen to the hepatitis B virus, so they can find, sorry, if they can find the antibody in your body of a pregnant woman fighting the hepatitis B virus, they know the woman has, has had it or it has had or has it. If you can do that simple blood test and find out if you have hepatitis B virus or not ever in your history, because you have antibodies in your body, that would tell the doctor, yes, you might want to consider giving your baby the hepatitis B vaccine. Why why would you not do that test? You're not in a country, the United States of America, that's a high risk for hepatitis B virus anyway. Why don't all doctors in America go like this? You know, it's not very common here in America, hepatitis B. So let's do a test on you, mama, and find out if you have pregnant mama. Let's find out if you have any hepatitis B virus vaccine antibodies. Sorry, hepatitis B virus antibodies. And if they do, that would be the only person you go like this. Look, it appears you've had hepatitis B in your life sometime in your bloodstream. We need to talk about the the potential benefits and risk of the hepatitis B virus vaccine at that point, And only at that point should the discussion start. All right. So now, now that you know, the 15 highest risk groups are not Americans, which I find awesome. It's not Americans. Then who is it? It's everybody else. All right. So now let's go into, I want to take you through what we know is in the vaccines. Got it. What is in these vaccines? Good. Here we go. All right. So, When wanting to know and have a powerful conversation with your OBGYN or pediatrician about vaccines, you can tell the doctors if they still think vaccines are a good idea to watch the Dr. Artist show. That'd be number one. And also tune into Looking for Healing Radio the week of November 18th of 2023, if they haven't learned anything. All right. So there is what is called, and you can find this through the cdc.gov. You can find a document titled Vaccine Excipient Summary. Vaccine Excipient, E-X-C-I-P-I-E-N-T Summary. Okay. Excipients are things in United States vaccines. They have a paper, a document here titled Vaccine Excipient Summary, and they give you a list of all the vaccines the CDC approves and has on their schedule, and then what's in them. Then they give you definitions. There's preservatives, adjuvants, stabilizers. Preservatives are anything they list that prevent contamination. For example, thimerosal. They say it. Thimerosal is mercury poisoning. That's used as a preservative. Dummies, it's deadly. Adjuvants are additives. They say these are to help stimulate a stronger immune response. For example, aluminum salt. Okay. Okay. They all know aluminum is a neurotoxin. It causes Alzheimer's, autism, you name it. What about stabilizers and dementia? Stabilizers in vaccines are there to keep the vaccine potent during transportation and storage. For example, 
sugars, or gelatin is what they state. All right. Then they also state that there's three other definitions of things that are going to be included in this document. Cell culture materials. These are used to grow the vaccine antigens. For example, egg protein in various culture media. Did you know that egg protein in vaccines now comes from snake eggs? That's what they culture all vaccines in. (laughs) 90% of all vaccines are cultured in snake eggs now. And then inactivating ingredients used to kill viruses or inactivated toxins. For example, they state formaldehyde is considered an inactivating ingredient. All right, we're going to take you through in the next segment. What is the problem with each of these ingredients? And then antibiotics in this list are used to prevent contamination by bacteria. For example, neomycin. All right. Now for the hepatitis B vaccine, I'm going to go ahead and just tell you, (laughs) there's a hepatitis B vaccine called twin, 10 R I X twin ricks. You know, the first ingredient is MRC dash five. That's what it's called. Can anyone listening tell me what MRC dash five is? Well, you're about to find out on the opposite side of this break because you're going to want to know because they're injecting this into your babies or telling your grandkids they need it, which is absolutely evil. We'll be right back after these messages. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. 
All right, buddy. Welcome back to the dog. Not the dog Dr. show. Welcome back to Looking for Healing Radio. Well, you know, there is the Dr. Artist Show. I might as well go ahead now that I spilled it. Go ahead and say that the Dr. Artist Show is sponsoring this segment. Go to go to the show.com and purchase foreign protein cleanse. Everybody on earth needs to have this thing in their home because they are trying to poison us with venoms, toxins, you name it, every day, all day. So foreign protein cleanse at the Dr. Artist Show. Go read about why I created that thing and why I got Dr. Group at uh, Global Healing to help me make that. All right. Let's keep going. On, before the commercial break, I said, do you guys know what MRC-5 is inside the hepatitis B vaccine? All right. So they list on the CDC's vaccine excipient summary for the hepatitis B vaccine. They list MRC-5 as the first ingredient inside of twin R. Tenrix, Twinrix, which is a hepatitis B and a hepatitis A combo vaccine for babies. So I'm going to take you through what it is that MRC-5 is. Okay. If you type in MRC-5 in Google, it'll pull up a link that says MRC-5 Wikipedia. Just open it. And I'd like to read to you what it is they're telling you your baby needs when it's born within 12 hours in America. They're telling you your baby needs MRC-5 which is a diploid cell culture line composed of fibroblasts. Cells which were originally developed from the lung tissue of a 14-week-old aborted Caucasian male fetus. The cell line was isolated by J.P. Jacobs and colleagues in September of 1966 from the seventh population doubling of the original strain. And MRC5 cells themselves are known to reach senescence in around 45 population doublings. Now, I looked this up because I didn't know what that meant, but senescence that says here, MRC5 cells themselves are known to reach senescence in around 45 population doublings. Senescence is when cells stop dividing permanently. So since 1966, they took aborted fetal lung tissue from a baby they killed and aborted. They cut open that baby's lungs, took its cells, and are now replicating those cells, feeding it sugar and replicating those cells one after another. And then they are putting that in your hepatitis B vaccine. Why do we need lung tissue for a hepatitis problem? Hepatitis B is a liver disease. Why in the world do we need to inject babies in America with aborted fetal cells from a little boy, 14 day, 14 weeks old, whose body was aborted out of, out of a pregnant woman at 14 weeks old. Why do we need that lung tissue inside you? All right, so I'm going to explain to you what this does. You inject any DNA from another human or animal into a baby, into its bloodstream by a vaccine. They publish it 100% of the time will cause autoimmune disease. All right, so why are there so many autoimmune diseases in the world then? Well, now you know why there's over almost 200 autoimmune diseases in America and only in America. Other countries have autoimmunity, but not 200 of them. Only America does that. So America wins. Why? Because we're injecting all of our babies within 12 hours or 24 hours of birth with human cells. Now, if you don't know the body, this is just an analogy I use for people to understand how it is that injecting other animal or human DNA inside of our blood will cause autoimmunity. Help you understand that and grasp it. All of you at home know and have heard of organ transplants. 
when someone gets an organ transplant, let's say they give you a new kidney from somebody else, that kidney is not the new person's kidney. It's someone else's kidneys. And so that other kidney that they just put inside of you or your loved one that you know, whoever got the new organ, that organ doesn't belong to them. It belongs to somebody else. And it has DNA from someone else. You put that DNA in that organ inside that body of another person, the body's immune system will immediately start, start attacking foreign DNA. Whatever the organ is, it doesn't matter. Heart, pancreas, spleen, intestines, it doesn't matter. Brain, it doesn't matter. You transplant an organ, you're putting someone else's DNA inside your body. And when that happens, you create a perfect storm for autoimmunity. The body's going to start attacking that organ because it doesn't belong there. So what's the first thing they have to do with everybody that gets gets organ transplants? They put you on a cocktail of 12 to 15 prescription drugs called auto-self, auto-rejection drugs. They stop your body's self from destroying itself. Well, guess what happens when you inject inside of babies over and over and over and over? Lung cells from babies that were aborted in 1966. Well, don't do it. It's disgusting. All right, let's go back to the excipient submarine. Sorry, it's just disgusting to see that as the first ingredient in that one. Just had to show and tell you all. All right, so let's continue here with the hepatitis B. There are listed now in the CDC's documents four different hepatitis B vaccines. You have Hep B by Ingerix, E-N-G-E-R-I-X, B. You have Hep B from Recombivax is what it's called. You have Hep B vaccine from Heplisav B. Uh, now, uh, all of these have been around since at least 2020, 2018, these versions of hepatitis B vaccines. All right, so the first one, hepatitis B, they list aluminum hydroxide as the first ingredient. Now, aluminum is toxic. Aluminum, it is published by the FDA at certain levels, micro levels, will cause neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, autism, Parkinson's, MS. That's what aluminum does. Uh, and that's the first ingredient. Then in Indrix B's, hepatitis B vaccine, you see what's called yeast proteins. Now, yeast proteins are actually in every single one of these. So just hold on to that because I'm going to hammer away at this one. All right. So we have yeast protein. Then we have sodium chloride, which is salt water. Uh, every IV bag you see in a hospital hanging there, dropping fluids into a person, that is sodium chloride. And then disodium phosphate di dihydrate. I don't even know what that is. And then sodium dihydrogen phosphate dihydrate. All right. So I don't even know what those are. What's interesting though, is you see there's no hepatitis B anything in there, which is weird. Just a whole bunch of chemicals. Now let's go to hepatitis B from Recombivax, which is what it's called. Their very first ingredient is formaldehyde. Well, that's great. I'm going to take you all through what the toxic effects of formaldehyde are here in just a minute. Formaldehyde, by the way, is a known carcinogen causes cancer and it causes death. In fact, formaldehyde causes permanent death of cells and preserves them. That's why they use formaldehyde in embalming procedures for dead bodies. It preserves them for a lifetime. Why would we inject that inside of kids, babies? Okay. And then potassium aluminum sulfate. Great. There's some more aluminum. We need aluminum. Uh, amorphous aluminum hydroxyphosphate sulfate. Great. Another version of Aluminum. There's two versions of aluminum in the Recombivax. You're just asking for autism with this one. And then yeast protein. The next one is hepatitis B, Heplisav B. You have yeast protein, yeast DNA. You have deoxycholate, which I don't even know what that is. Phosphoroth 
phosphorothioate linked oligodeoxynucleotide, another DNA, some genetic material, sodium phosphate, salt, and phosphorus, dibasic, dodehydrate, don't even know what that is, sodium chloride, salt water, and then monobasic dehydrate and polysorbate AD. Just so y'all know, polysorbate 80 is in a ton of these vaccines. You know what polysorbate 80 does in the hep B vaccine? It is only in there. Like Dr. Larry Pileski, pediatrician on Long Island, has educated so eloquently. Yeast, I'm sorry, polysorbate 80 is only in vaccines to punch holes in your blood-brain barrier to get the aluminum and other additives into your brain. All right, so those are your ingredients. And now we're going to get to the twin ricks, which is the hepatitis A and HB HP hepatitis B combo. Very first ingredient is abortal fetal cells from a baby that was aborted in 1966 called MRC-5. And then we have formalin. Formalin is formaldehyde, a preservative. Kills cells, preserves cells. You don't live through formaldehyde. It preserves the cells as they are. It kills them. Aluminum is the third one. And then aluminum again. And then sodium chloride, salt water. And then phosphate buffer. Great. We all need more phosphates. What about polysorbate 20? Punches holes in the blood-brain barrier. What about neomycin sulfate and yeast proteins? All right, great. All right, so let's get into this. Aluminum's toxic, deadly. It's in your hepatitis B vaccines, all of them. You do not want aluminum being injected into a newborn fetus or baby because it's going to go into the blood-brain barrier with the help of polysorbate 80, polysorbate 20. It will cause neurological damage. Formaldehyde's in there. It's a known poison. You don't need to inject babies with formaldehyde. We don't need added formaldehyde to our bodies. Not none whatsoever. You don't need abortal fetal cells inside your body. And you definitely don't need polysorbate 80 or 20. And you definitely don't need yeast proteins. Now, I want to get inside of this. Every single hepatitis B vaccine has yeast proteins or yeast DNA in them. Now, what you guys don't most likely know is that they use baker's yeast to manufacture proteins of viruses and venoms that they call vaccines. This is very common. They've been doing it for decades. So as they're replicating venom and proteins to make vaccines, that yeast often gets inside of the vaccines. Okay. That's what they say. It's a spillover in the manufacturing process. However, that is not actually accurate. So I'm going to take you through what we know about. I'm pulling it up here. Hold on. Just give me a second. I'm getting it. I'm going to pull up what it is we know about yeast proteins. I'm going to give credit where it's due, even though I don't trust this organization. But the the comp- the group, Children's Health Defense, they posted an article in 2018 before COVID. And the title of the, doc- the actual article, the article is not on the site. They just reference this paper. I'll give them credit for referencing it. The title of the paper is Bioinformatics and epidemiological evidence links yeast protein containing HPV and hepatitis B vaccines, the link between yeast proteins in the hepatitis B vaccine and HPV vaccine, that yeast protein is linked to numerous autoimmune disorders such as vitiligo, narcolepsy, hypothyroidism, Systemic lupus erythematosus and rheumatoid arthritis. Okay. 
the yeast proteins that are found in every single hepatitis B vaccine, which the CDC tells you it's in there. Every single hepatitis B vaccine, it is published since 2018 that the yeast proteins found inside of HPV and hepatitis B vaccines is linked directly to vitiligo, losing your skin pigment, narcolepsy, falling asleep 24-7, hypothyroidism, low-functioning thyroid, systemic lupus erythematosus, and autoimmune disease of your entire body, and rheumatoid arthritis. Well, let me ask you, grandparents, parents, future parents, have you ever thought to yourself, if I have a child, I hope it has rheumatoid arthritis? Have you ever asked yourself or thought to yourself, God, I hope I have a grandbaby that has rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, hypothyroidism, loses its pigment with vitiligo, and I hope struggles with narcolepsy. Have you ever, ever thought that's the kind of kid I want? That's the kind of grandchild I want. Teachers, that's what kind of students I want. I want students that struggle staying awake. I want them emotionally distraught with vitiligo. I want them struggling with energy, focus, weight gain, with hypothyroidism. I want systemic lupus erythematosus. I want all these kids in my class. I want my grandchildren to struggle being ridiculed, made fun of with their butterfly rash on their face from lupus. Uh, or I want changes in their nodules of their joints with rheumatoid arthritis and struggle them not ever to participate in activities or sports. I want them to struggle. Is that what kind of kid you wanted? If it wasn't, do not give your kids the hepatitis B vaccine. If that is your wish and that's the kind of kid you want, I can tell you how to do it. Go get the hepatitis B vaccine every time they tell you. And they'll inject you with the, these yeast into your body. All right, so I'm going to look this up here because I actually opened up this paper. I actually downloaded this entire paper. Very good, because I want to read to you the summary of this yeast protein. This Remember, the, the actual document, the title of this paper, is not on children's health defense. So bioinformatics and epidemiological evidence link yeast proteins containing HPV and hepatitis B vaccines to numerous autoimmune diseases such as vitiligo, narcolepsy, hypothyroidism, systemic lupus, erythematosus, and rheumatoid arthritis. All right. So in the summary, in the abstract, as they call it, the HPV vaccine called the human papillomavirus vaccine, which is the Gardasil one they give to teenagers and hepatitis B vaccine they give on day one of birth in America are recombinant vaccines produced by genetically modifying yeast. The vaccines therefore contain yeast proteins ranging from 7 micrograms up to 5% of the total protein content. The target proteins are weakly immunogenic. The human immune system has evolved sophisticated checks and balances to selectively attack dangerous associated proteins and pathogens or disease bugs associated proteins while tolerating self and harmless proteins so basically they're telling you that sentence the human body does a good job already of making sure is that protein dangerous or not it does the assessment on its own lets things live that doesn't and then requires action for those that are dangerous this mechanism they explain is the reason why harmless target proteins in vaccines are weakly immunogenic or changing your immune system Vaccinologists defeat the immune system's checks and balances and force an immune response directed against those weakly immunogenic target proteins by using immunological adjuvants or additives. The result is a robust immune response directed against target proteins, which makes the vaccines effective. However, this boosted immune response is not limited to the target proteins alone. Target protein being like the hepatitis B virus, 
which is a protein. The robust immune response is also directed at non-target proteins like yeast proteins in this case, thus resulting in numerous off-target immune responses. Numerous epidemiological studies and a meta-analysis have linked yeast-containing vaccines to autoimmune disorders. Here, bioinformatics analysis adds mechanistic evidence demonstrating that these vaccines can produce numerous autoimmune disorders due to molecular mimicry between yeast proteins and human self-proteins. The human body's own self-proteins look a lot like yeast proteins. Therefore, the action of our immune systems are very similar. When you inject them with a, a, a yeast protein, you can often, it states here, can produce numerous autoimmune disorders. Pandemrix vaccine-induced narcolepsy and autoimmune disorder due to molecular mimicry between H1N1 nucleoproteins in the vaccine and the human receptor 2. This failure mechanism can affect all vaccine. The ultimate solution is to remove all non-target proteins from the vaccines. Now, I want to go to their conclusion and to their discussion. Conclusion. Epidemiological and mechanistic evidence makes it clear that yeast proteins in the hepatitis B vaccine can cause numerous autoimmune disorders, including systemic lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, Alzheimer's, autism spectrum, hypothyroidism, vitiligo, and narcolepsy. Raythi Tall, the scientist, have suggested bioinformatics analysis and autoimmune serology to check for autoimmunity during vaccine development. Vaccine makers have refused to perform such checks resulting in devastating consequences. The ultimate solution is to remove all non-target proteins from all vaccines immediately. Do not give your children the hepatitis B vaccine or yourself. Remember, the only medicine is natural medicine because natural medicine first does no harm. There's so much we have to unlearn, and I'm grateful to be able to unlearn it with you so we can learn something much better, something filled with love, logic, and light. Healers, you are a heat being of light, so remember that when you're looking for healing, to always look within first. May God, the Almighty and author of all things, shine his divine light down upon us and everyone we love and surround us in the protection of his warm and healing embrace. And just so you know, God can continue to do that as long as we don't poison ourselves. Even if we poison ourselves, formaldehyde, fluoride, and other things in these shots, crystallizes or hardens our pineal gland, which stops us from being able to have the protective open communication pathways with our God. It destroys our spirituality. I'm Dr. Brian Artis. Please tune in tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern time at Looking for Healing Radio with Nicola Burnett. Enjoy this week and God bless.